Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Seven iconic housewives from four different cities. Look at this water. We're going to give them something to talk about. Vacation at Turks and Caicos. It's a party now. The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. All episodes streaming now. Only on Peacock. Good evening and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. We are here. It is Manchester United. We're on the whistle. I've got Matt Candela and Johnny Cochran in the chat room. How's it going, guys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we both waited for each other to go down and we did the same thing. But no, um, look, you know, it's, it's uh, we're going to give it all our energy in this pod, of course, the, from what our listeners have come to expect these days. But... Yeah, it is, you know, that game was deflating. There's no question about it. It started off with so much promise. There was some um, lovely little events that came out, one of which I know we're going to talk about, a a real um, random happening on the football field, which I loved the way that we behaved throughout. Um, But apart from that, it just feels a little bit flat based on the same old story. Um, and the one thing I would say is that if you um, are looking for my initial ramble, which I won't go into too heavy, but I- I'm not I'm not going to bag on the manager too much. There are some players that are going to get the raft today. That's my initial entry into this week's pod. All right. So well, we Matt, Matt's, did... not, Matt's not at his, Matt's not said how he's feeling yet, Pete. Oh yeah, Matt, you tell us how you're feeling. You look sad. I don't like to see. Uh, sad. Yeah, I'm sad. sad I'm I'm sad. I, that game was there for the taking. Absolutely there for the taking. Should have taken. Yeah. Sh- we should be celebrating three points now. Went one nil up. Should have punished them and gone on and battered them. Two one down. I thought the worst. We came back with a brilliant bit of play. Controlled the game after that. Should have gone on one three two four two five two. We were by far the dominant team. They had nothing. They had nothing. And and to lose to that lot was was really really painful there was one team with an identity a system of play everything and and we lost and 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 we weren't unlucky um we lost because we were naive and 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 it's frustrating because we had played some good football today but you know not good enough and 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 we've got to learn from it and fast i i had a i had a weird moment during that game where i wasn't really feeling anything for it it was like a, it was a low intensity game. It was open. Uh, the atmosphere was absolutely terrible for Old Trafford in an Arsenal game like that, and I didn't really feel any um, any energy for the game. It was just it was such a it was such an odd afternoon. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I don't really have much. I'm feeling extremely flat right now because it, it, that that was a that was set up for us to to take that game today and we we didn't take the opportunity and sadly uh you know we come away from that um with with no points but we deserved it because we made too many mistakes not enough of our big team 
players um, showed up and we didn't take advantage of a Man United at an extremely low ebb. So let's move on to the hottest of takes. Let's let's up the intensity here. I'm feeling low. I'm low intensity. I'd be getting absolutely battered if this was Liverpool. I'd be 4-0 down. We're not going to let that energy uh, seep through the rest of the podcast. So, Johnny, I'm going to need you to bring some fire to the hottest of takes. <laughs> fire incoming. Yeah, ring the alarm. Um, so where can we start? Well, we'll start with that goal for a start. Um, basically, I love the way because uh, you guys might have had it different. We had um, the we had Ali McCoist in commentary and another geezer I can't remember his name. And the whole way that that goal, the Emil Smith Smith Rowe goal, uh, transpired, it was like it was in slow motion. So obviously the keeper's fallen down, but then as you watch. Emil Smith-Rowe take the shot, you realise the keeper's down, then you realise the ref's kind of got the whistle to his mouth that hasn't blown yet, and then like in real time as fans, we're watching it going, that is a goal, isn't it? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like That is a goal, and then there's kind of like real confusion around everything, and, and at first they were like, oh, this is going to be disappointing when they disallow the goal, and I think it was because what they were trying to draw attention to initially was that they believed the referee had blown the whistle before like the goal had actually gone in. And if that was the case, the goal would have to be disallowed. Even if it's on its way in, it has to be. But once you realise that whistle was never blown, what are you talking about? That's a goal. And do you know what? I would have loved it if we had won one nil. I'd have loved it. It couldn't happen. Remember Wayne Rooney? 49 games unbeaten, the guy dived, okay, way before the hair transplant, before he was shagging grannies. This guy literally robbed us, robbed us of a record. They've got no class. They would have deserved it. They would have deserved it, and I would have have celebrated harder than most results. The only thing I would have preferred, realistically, would be a spanking. But, um, you know, that's not always on the cards in these big games. But, alas... That was a high point from the game, quite a funny one. But I'll spend a little bit of time just quickly to flag up the fact that overall, I thought our attitude to taking the lead was exceptionally poor. We just sat back like we were trying to defend that 1-0 lead. I mean, this isn't the 85th minute, you know what I mean, where you might be forgiven. This is like midway through the first half. Do you really back yourselves to keep them out, to keep Ronaldo out all all that time? Evidently, uh, that was folly and we succumbed to a few chances from them so that was really poor the way that we set back and that's the one bit where I'd push on to Arteta and say you know you've got to keep you've got to make sure that your team are not sitting back not being so reserved not being so passive because ultimately we got into that position through playing on the front foot then we start moving to some real hot points and uh, within the team and let's be honest these narratives have been developing for quite some time Anyone who wants to profess that we might be being a bit knee-jerk with this, again, check the previous pods, check popular fan opinion in general. Aubameyang needs to start getting called out now. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And he's not been good enough for ages. The one caveat I would say, and this again would link to Arteta, but again, it's not Arteta's fault. But I honestly am at the stage now where if you are not playing Aubameyang with Lacazette, don't play him. Just keep him off the field. Our first striker should be Lacazette or Lacazette and Aubameyang. You cannot play Aubameyang on his own. He's let us down too many times now. The other thing is, you know, it's like, it's like again, I like to do these relationship analogies, but when your partner, right, has gone away and you maybe get back for a second time, and you're like, oh, it'll be like the good old days. No, it's not. They've changed and they're not going back. We have to collectively get over the fact that Aubameyang ain't the same geezer anymore. He's not that guy. He's not been that guy for a while. He's been really poor. I thought today was one of the worst performances I've seen in so long. It was the lack of effort that got me. Just refusing to press anyone from the front, it it meant our kind of pressing game was just completely redundant. When you see um, Erdegaard out sprinting you to chase down defenders, you've got a big issue on your hands. And in front of goal, just absolutely awful. Thank God that opportunity was would have been given offside. But the reality is, it was just shit. Now, another another player that is going to get it as well, and, and then I'll certainly pass it over, is Thomas Party. But I know some people are coming out for this guy. Matt's been on him for a couple of weeks as well, and, you know, I respect that. 
It's the main thing is when we signed party, we were like, this guy is class, this guy is class, and he is class at times. He is absolute class, and he does things that other people don't necessarily do in our team. But can we forgive some of the lackadaisical play that is just almost always intertwined with the other better parts of his game? It's so regular now. He was serving up as much shit sandwiches today as he was serving up class ones. It was really, really hard to watch, given the ball away. Even for their goal, um, when Ronaldo, Ronaldo scored in open play, that's party. If you're at the top of your game, keep running, track him back, make that challenge. It's it, it, it's just playing at a far too um, laissez-faire kind of pace to the game. His approach to the game is far too laissez-faire. He's just... Is too, you know, lethargic at times. And yes, there is the bits of class peppered in, but ultimately, we can't rely on our most seasoned and hardened uh, players when we talk about, you know, the young players in the squad and they will need time. These are guys who should be good to go, ready to roll, most experienced pros. And this level of shit performance is not acceptable. Over should be dropped straight away, and parties should be given a stern warning. That simple. Well, Matt, Sorry, Johnny covered a lot of ground there. What, what you got? You I got like party. No, I think I, I think I agree with all of it. I think we're being let down by the senior players. That's the bottom. That's the bottom line. And, Season two. It's the same and, old story. And it's the same old story. And we're going to need to replace all of them. And that's depressing because it means it's going to take two, another two transfer windows, another two years to to get it in. Because what we hope was some of them were going to step up to the mark. Party looks. I mean, if he was wearing El Nenny on the back of his shirt and dropped that performance, you wouldn't be surprised. El Nenny was better than Party today. He, he was much better, much better. I, I thought El Nenny. I mean, I saw that name on the team sheet and I shuddered. I was terrified about what we were going to get served up. And he 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 offered no verticality and he and he but but at least he was composed and tidy on the ball and 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 ran a lot. But he was better than Party today, and I think it's been happening for a while. I think I said a couple of weeks ago, is it time to talk about Thomas Party? And the reality is, if he hadn't had his, if he didn't have his reputation, if he hadn't cost the money he had, if he didn't look like such a prime physical specimen of a man, then you know, you, you we would be calling him out because it's just not good enough. He doesn't look like a fifty million pound player. And the annoying thing about it all is, it's not an issue around talent. It's not. It feels to me like an issue around application. And that, for me, is a non-negotiable around Arsenal. You've got to be switched on. You've got to be concentrated. You've got to try hard. He looks like he thinks he's too good for us. And and he's not, because right now he's a weak link in midfield. And I think it's I think when Granite Xhaka is fit, this is an even more terrifying thought. I think Partey is may not be the first name on the team sheet. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, there's no guarantees. I could see a Xhaka Lokonga. You know, combo right in the middle. If they're applying themselves, why not? Because that's not good enough. Aubameyang, not good enough. Um, they're just not supporting these young players. Yet again, we're being carried by all these youngsters. But like we said, I think the hottest of takes is it feels like it feels like Project Youth 1.0. It feels like there's going to be a lot of opportunity, a lot of games like this, and we better get used to it. There's going to be games where we don't understand how we've lost. We've been the better team for for for, for various pieces of the game, but you've got to have the nous, and and we didn't have it. And at, at two all, kicking on, they were penned back. The crowd was quiet. We had thirty minutes to go and score the winner, and then we concede the stupidest penalty, stupidest penalty. I know the guy did all the hard work, scored a great goal, and then to give away that penalty, oh, it was sickening. And you knew that was it, and. You just can't do that. You can't give away goals. And we literally gave away at least two of the three goals today. Just gave them away. So we've got to sharpen up. Um, it will come with experience. But that's what you need the older players for. And they're not doing it. They're even worse. They're, they're, they're looking like it's their first years in the team. So depressing. But, you know, what can you do? Exactly. You can't do anything about it except moan online right after the game to hundreds of people <laughs> with uh, a shared vision of what just went on. Uh, I, I mean, you, you you guys covered so much of it there on the heights of takes. For me, it was, uh, it was a naive performance. I think there were a number of moments in that game that 
you know, two years down the line, we don't make those mistakes. Two years down the line, Martinelli doesn't have a shot with his weaker foot. He cuts it back to Smith Rowe coming into the area. Two years down the line, I'm not sure Erdegaard goes sliding into the box uh, in that way. But again, you know, just to echo what you two have both said, the biggest concern for me is it's not the young players. It's not the young players. It's Thomas Partey not showing up, giving the ball away constantly. It's Aubameyang. You, you're right. Look, the, the, the work rate, kind of clouded the reality that he's just not suited to this system. And I don't think it is his intention to be that bad. But the, the bigger concern with Aubameyang is even when he's getting chances now, he's not finishing them. I know, I, you know, I know that chance was, was offside late on in the game, but that kind of summed up his season. You know, he's, he, he, was a, he was a half chance guy when he first joined Arsenal. And now he can't even score open goals. He's missing penalties. He's, he's, he, he needs a rest. It needs to be taken out the side. Arteta needs to make an excuse. It needs to get the Almunia's hurt his thumb treatment because we can't move forward as a club. And, and look, I know Eddie Nketiah is nowhere near the level of what Aubameyang was in his prime, but Oba's not in his prime. And Eddie Nketiah will at least ask questions of forwards. He'll at least be difficult. He'll run the line. You know, he'll try and link up play. And, and I, I, don't know. Eddie, Eddie, I don't know about Eddie that. Eddie Nketiah was the best striker in preseason the best striker. And he's the only one. He's the only striker that's got a physical profile. We should be giving him a run. We should he, be giving him a run. He is not the solution. We That's the one thing that we can be rest assured. <laughs> and I know, and I know, honestly, I have sympathy for why you're starting to go there because for me, it looks like Ober's a busted flush now. It really does. Anything, that, any hesitancy we had before and it was that hope. I said this, do you remember at the end of last year, I was like, don't be so sure that he's ever going to come back to what you think he is. Like, it, it's not like there was in preseason. People were talking like it was a formality that oh we'll get our over back. No, mate, that, that's not what's going on. He looked like something has shifted in his game where he's never got. And it's not just system with over. It's not. I do. I do think that this system doesn't suit him the best. But he plays best when Lacazette's playing. And and the one you know the one thing I would say is with both party and and this is the one thing I'd, I'd put to Arteta. And I understand why he might have gone to El Nene because of Party and El Nene's fantastic performance previously at Old Trafford. Sometimes you go down, you know, it clouds a manager's judgment. So I, I can understand, I can forgive that decision, if you will. But why are you taking Laconga out when he was our best player in our last game? Well, he's certainly one of them, you know. He's been playing well, save for possibly one performance. He is certainly the link through breaking those lines. And it, it, we, we talked about how... Party supports Lukonga in his development in the team. Lukonga seems to play better when he plays with him. Well, we're not really talking about how that may also work the other way. And Lukonga's been, you know, actually something that's been helping Party start to um, play a little bit better and, and give him confidence in terms of the way when he receives the ball, he feels very good on it and can pass progressively. So Party doesn't feel he has to do too much. And so all I would say is one of the things that I gave Arteta credit for recently was... <laughs> These partnerships are starting to form, and I'd like to see us get back to those. And if not, in the case of up front, if you again, I've got to reiterate this point: if you're not going to play Lacquer with Oba, drop Oba. He didn't deserve it. But I'd rather see Martinelli as a solution because have you seen him today? I thought he was excellent. I was really excited by what I was seeing from him. He looked hungry. He looked dangerous, beating players, running past players, and he looked like he had a goal in him. He certainly, you know, obviously created another one today. Um, so I, I'm really encouraged by his uptick in form and he would encourage me as being the more um, profitable solution to Oba's um Well, let's, let, let's, talk about, uh, let's talk about Gabriel Martinelli because I, I, you know, I was talking to people during the game and a lot of people were saying the best player on that pitch today is Martinelli. Um, he used his pace really well today. He looks powerful. Um, he looks threatening. His decision-making isn't always great, but, you know, he's... He's, he's, he's a teenager. So um, do, do we think that that dream, you know, when we first saw Martinelli come out, uh, Emery played him through the middle and always said, no, he's a wide player. He's a wide player. He's not a striker. Do we think that there is an opportunity for Martinelli to maybe play through the middle? Or are we, again, clutching at straws? Because, you know, we, we've seen the ups and downs of Martinelli and we've seen him get eaten alive by uh, big hulking defenders like he did against Brentford. Like, what a... What, what do we think the future holds for Martinelli? More game time? I think he's going to get more game time. And I think we said in the last pod, 
Martinelli, I think I tweeted it, Martinelli has, has the opportunity to do a Smith Rowe. He has the opportunity to come in in December and be a game changer for us in the second half of the season. Because if he doesn't, then I don't know if he's got much future at Arsenal. I think it's I think it's that simple because what if it, then it, he's been here like three years and you know some nice pieces and but but there's that's long enough to show what you've got. The next six months is where we need to see Martinelli land a starting place. So he's going to be starting a lot more games. And the good news is he's coming in December like Smith Rowe did. He's got a goal and assist in his first two. That's a really really positive start. And we need to continue to find roles for him around that front three whether it be I think he's better on the left but it could be in the middle um he had some nice nice bits of play down the right hand side as well so um we're gonna need him to come good up there I think it's dangerous to think that he's I think football's changed I think it's so tough to play that position I can't see him coming in and playing up front for the rest of the season and scoring 12 goals in the second half of the season I just can't see that I don't think his game is. I don't think he's ready for that. I wish he was. But I think maybe he can share some duties with Lacazette and Obama Yang. But really, we're, we're in, no one wants to hear this, but we're in a holding pattern for the rest of the season. It's Obama Yang, Lacazette, Martinelli, patchwork. It's, it's going to be a patchwork of the three of them. Matt. And between them, we're going to have to get, going to have to find 15, 20 goals. Matt and Johnny, I'm going to put up a banner. Brace for it. Is Aubameyang the new William? Is, uh, you know, uh, do we have a player that isn't up to the physical standards of the Premier League? Great attitude, um, big experience. Everybody really likes him behind the scenes. But is over the new William this season? Because Arteta must see what we see. He must see what we see. And I think he's making the decision not to take him off because he costs 350 grand a week. And there's the political aspect of it where humiliating your captain can cause you problems later on down the line. You know, we saw what happened um, after the Spurs game last year when he was dropped. Has Obama, uh, you know, has Arteta got a big decision to make? Because Martinelli could be this season's Emil Smith-Rowe. And I'd rather take the hit this season than he's great next year and we at least know. Um, but ha- have we got a William-like problem on our hands? And the William problem came to a head mid-December last year. What do you think? Well, for me, like, um, I understand why you're drawing the comparison in the sense that we, he's, a, he's a highly played player and he's stinking the gaff up. It's that simple. But, um, you know, that's, that's to the point where I, you know, accept that comparison and the rest of it, I reject it because it's a different situation. And the reason why Willie Andrews so much ire from the Arsenal fan base is that, he never did it for us. <laughs> he, he, you know, we're like, oh yeah, get back to your good old days, Willian. He never did. There were never any good days no, for Arsenal. No, Willian had good days. You can't say not for Arsenal, but Willian no, he, had. I mean, it was no. I mean, I mean for. Right? I'm sorry to be clear. What I'm saying for Arsenal, he never had. He had one yeah. good day against Fulham at the first first game of the season. Obama Yang has had several seasons for us scoring, you know, twenty goals a year, and we knew that, and and he's he's helped us win trophies. So you can't compare the two in terms of partly down to fan sentiment because Aubameyang is not only our captain, but he has done it for us. And sometimes you can't always beat up on a player who at some point father time or other, you know, uh, bits of nature, whether it be illnesses and whatnot, and, you know, injuries, they catch up with people and they just cannot perform at the same level. It's not necessarily a lack of effort. What I didn't like today with Aubameyang, it looked like a lack of effort for me. But in general, I thought I think we've seen his regression for a number of you know number of months now, pushing into over a year. I'd probably say. And you know, you're talking about four goals in the Premier League this year. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. For, and, and, and when we look at, if you try to compare, you know, a talisman like Ronaldo at United, you've got a guy who. And I'm not trying to compare their careers. Obviously, Ronaldo is in discussions for the GOAT. It's not just about, you know, being a good player in the Premier League, the GOAT greatest of all time. But Aubameyang has been a world-class talent. There's no question about that. And that's why we pay you that much money. You're a talisman. And in big games, big moments, we trust you at least to be able to finish. But the problem is, as you highlighted, Pete, and you, you, you mentioned a minute ago, he's not even scoring chances that he does get. 
you know, the fact he doesn't get that many chances um, at the moment is a bit of an indictment on him, his lack of movement, his lack of intensity. But when you are getting chances, you've got to finish them because what else are you on the field for? He's just not good in our general play. The system doesn't suit us. And I, again, I, when we talk about solutions as well, um, to, you know, post-Ober, if Martinelli is to get the nod, I'd like to see him play with Lacazette because Lacazette is our best link, play, link player. And I think Martinelli would get the same kind of shine that Ober does when he plays with Lacazette, of someone taking the attention way, uh, away um, with the defenders, taking the ball short and spring it, springing players like Saka and Smith Rowe to run in behind. And then they can pick up, you know, the stuff in and around. Martinelli in that Brentford game when he played really poorly... I think there was too much expectation on him. It was his first game of the season. Granted, you know, that was one game in isolation. But I think he is going to be a guy who needs support. You can't put him up against a Virgil van Dijk and expect him to, you know, play all hold-up play and stuff. That's not what Martinelli's about. But at this stage, Oba, we know what we're getting with the guy. Martinelli has all upside at the moment. Or let's see how high his ceiling is anyway. So stick him in the stick him in the game. We can't he can't be any worse than what Ober's serving up. But give him an opportunity by playing with a strike partner to to help you know in that build up play. And let's see what Martinelli can do. Matt, you know, history aside, with uh, Aubameyang, we're in William territory. I'm going to disagree with Johnny. We are in William territory. No, we're not. We're, de- we're not. We're not. We have. He's declined rapidly. He can't do what he used to no, do. I, He's I, I, the system, I don't. I don't dispute that. But the the reality is, we love Aubameyang. He won us an FA Cup single handedly. He's. He's, I just think he's a good guy, and that's not to say he's the he's the answer William offensively. Was a good guy. He no, he was shit. He was club. a he was he was a double agent. He was shit. He was sent from Chelsea. Never, never fitted. Never liked the guy, and worse than that, he was stopping good, good young players from Arsenal coming and getting minutes. Completely different, completely different characters. I think that he's he, he, he's struggling, but I think like we've got a bigger issue, and the bigger issue that and 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 I know that we are all on the Arteta train, and this is not a we need to get off the Arteta train, but he hasn't made us click offensively. We've been shit all year offensively. And we can say things have got better or this or that, but the the fact is, goals scored. You know, we have scored this season uh, seven. Uh, you know, uh, seventeen goals, seventeen goals in fourteen games. That's that's uh, West Ham have scored eight goals more than us. You know, uh, compare that that to Liverpool who scored who scored forty three. That's more than double. Chelsea have scored thirty three. That's double, double. Not five more, six more, a couple of missed chances more. We are building this team from the back is, is a kind way of saying that Arteta has not got the team clicking offensively. And it's not on our Aubameyang. It's not like we're playing free-flowing, brilliant football. We're not. We're building from the back. We're slowly putting together a team. Arteta still has to prove that he can make a team work offensively. He hasn't, he hasn't proved a thing offensively. He's shown he can build a team from the back. He's shown he can structure it. He's given us order. He's given us more of an identity. And because of that, he's earned the right for us to see whether he can build it offensively. That's the reason that we trust him, because at least there seems to be a process. We haven't made a single signing offensively. Obviously, that's going to make a big difference. But we're we're, we're not good to watch going forward. We're not. Anyone at the Emirates can see that. It's it's compared to... Compared to the Wenger years, this is or even the George Graham years. We're 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 a bottom of the t- we're 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 a second half of the table offensive team. The numbers prove it, and so we all want to slag off Aubameyang and do that. But trust me, this is not a system and a team that any striker would want to play in. Do you remember when we used to be able to say anyone could come in and gobble up the amount of chances that we miss? That's not this team. This team is, you might get two half chances and you need to take them. Maybe a Van Persie or something could thrive in this team or an Eduardo at his pomp. But there's a problem. And I trust that we're going to figure out a way to fix it. And one of the ways we're going to figure it out is an upgrade. But I think you've got to put that into context. And and I think that that bit is, is missing. And by the way, you know, we don't talk about it, but 
Saka's decision making when he came on, shocking. If that was Aubameyang, we'd be slating him. He came on, he had some the ball in great positions, wasted them all. So I just want to treat everyone the same. And I'm not saying he played well. I'm not saying clearly there's an issue there, but I'm saying that comparisons with Willian, all of that stuff, like putting a better player on suddenly we're, you know, scoring a load more goals. We've got a systemic problem. That's that's that that's my that's my take on it. I do think though, you know, you're everyone's in agreement that Aubameyang is not suited to the system. Everyone's in agreement that he's declined massively from a physical perspective. And it feels like we're playing with 10 men most of the time. Like I don't like putting a putting a striker that can run the line is going to change the way that we attack. It's going to transform us. You put Josh King as one of our forwards at the moment, and he'd do a better job than Ober up there. Like we we have no one that can hold up the ball. One of our goals, the, the penalty. You know, Erdegaard should not have made that tackle in the box. But how did that start? That started because Aubameyang can't hold the ball up. If you can't hold the ball up, it's very difficult to have a cohesive attack moving forward. So, uh, uh, you know, there's definitely things to be worked on today. But we didn't we didn't lose today because we didn't have good chances. We lost today because our finishing was terrible. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, mean I, don't, I don't think it was down to our finishing. I think it was Saka, a terrible Saka penalty, twice. giving the ball away. It was it was it was play, it was errors in our build-up play that gifted them goals. That that's what that's what that's what that was the error. It's not like we we dominated them offensively, created a hatful of chances and missed them. It was we dominated them in non-dangerous areas in the middle of the park. We put, we were better at passing the ball around on the edge of their box. It's not like we were we were breaching their defence time and time again. And then it was getting ourselves in the wrong positional places and taking risks. Tavares, the Odegaard penalty. You know that was that was that was it. This wasn't a game where oh my god we had twenty chances, missed them all, then they had one. That wasn't the game, in my I- eyes. I mean, I'm probably somewhere in the middle of you two on this one, which is rare. I'm usually at a polarised point <laughs> and sticking to it. But um, I think there's room for both of your points. I think Matt is spot on, and I, I don't think there should be too much resistance, Pete, in general. We we don't look great going forward. We haven't all year. That's just a fact. I mean, it's demonstrable in our performances. I, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing with that, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely think there is a systemic issue with regards to our attack. I don't think that we've quite clicked from that point of view. Um, and I think that certain players do not suit this system. If this is the system we're playing, you know, and one way or another, it got us to, what, basically joint fourth in the league. It's still got us in a decent position in the league. So let's not be too chastise the system too much. Ultimately, we need to be pragmatic and we need to get where we need to get to this year. And if we're not playing dazzling football and we get top four, I don't give a shit. I don't care. We'll save that next year. But on the same note, whilst there are systemic issues, the Arteta really does have to sort out because I don't think unless we start to improve from an attacking point of view, we will be able to hold the course for the whole season. I think there will come a time where we're just going to have to start scoring more goals. We do. We aren't going to have to. Defensively, I've been really encouraged, but we are going to have to start becoming a bit more dangerous. And Arteta will have to look at it and say, if Oba, for instance, as we talked about, is not going to be able to do that in this system, I might have to look for different solutions. Can I say say a scary word, Johnny? Yeah, yeah. I'll just just finish with this quickly, though, Matt, because it's just the other side. Um, And this is why I do agree with Pete on, on, on this point. Even though we have these systemic issues today, there are shit performances. Like at some point, and I, I do, you know, you've heard me bash Arteta to I'm blue in the face when I thought he deserved it. And I, you know, there's been plenty of time. He deserves some uh, critique today even. But, you know, the old adage of once the players cross the line, it's on them. This kind of, you know, really rings true to me today. There are some some people who let him down. He's not asking you to do backflips all the time. It's basic stuff in your in your position to play even at an average level, and you're not doing it. And if you can't do it, you need to get out the team because ultimately Arteta's system will go as the players that he picks to play this system, how they perform. And if they're not doing it, they need to be replaced because otherwise 
we're not only going to chastise these players, but also the way that we're being set up. The one thing I'd say is, and, and I, I was sort of inspired by the chat that you guys had with Perry Groves, and it's a scary word to say, but Nicholas Pepe, because whatever you think of him, I know, Pete, I know, I know. It's, a scary, it's scary. I didn't, I don't even like mentioning it in public. But the only thing I can say about Pepe, well, I can tell you a couple of things about him. One is he's not good enough for Arsenal Football Club is on one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is he's a player who can get you 12 to 15 goals in the second half of the season. He might not do much else. He might be infuriating. He's definitely not going to be part of a good attacking system, but he can score 12 to 15 goals. And right now we are desperate for goals, desperate. And it just makes me wonder whether uh, ostracizing him from the t- the team he feels like he's just like out it's been cold shouldered right i mean he's not even coming on for, for cameo performances right now i would much rather have pepe coming on than eddie and ketia i mean pepe could hit one um and <laughs> eddie eddie eddie's average he's only scored from about 0.6 yards away that's his average or something isn't it so um you know we might have to just look at some 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 solution internal solutions, as they say, like that between now and the end of the season, and then ship him out at the end and try and get him in the shot window and score a few goals. But you know, I worry like that was the thing. Perry Groves was saying George Graham was a master at getting people on board while while he needs them, and then shipping them out when he doesn't. But you know, we not we we need we're, we're desperate for goals. Like 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 Johnny said, how how are we going to stay the course? I mean, what we're on seven we're on seventeen goals in fourteen games, and we've got some tricky games coming up. We could by New Year's Day have scored twenty goals, and that's it. That that like you double that for the end of the season, forty goals in a season. That'd be unbelievably poor. We'll sound um, a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. When you think about what Thierry Henry used to do, so we need to we need to figure out the whole offensive offering. You know, we're not even battering a shit team. I mean, what, what and well done for ending on that. They United are shit. I think someone snuck into our message board here, a Stretford end geezer. So uh, just to be clear, mate, you are shit. We let you off today, but you definitely are shit, and we can absolutely get United. But, um, you know, let's be clear about one thing. And this is the critique, not only on Arteta, but the whole team at the moment. In general, I do feel more positive about where we're moving. But United ain't great, okay? They ain't great. And they're actually at their lowest point, if you like. Now, for anyone who who wasn't really understanding how severe our issues from an attacking point of view were, we just lost to a very poor Man United team, okay, when we were essentially given a goal. <laughs> I mean, like the reality is, is I love it. I'll celebrate it hard, but the keeper's laying on the floor. So one of them goals is the most, you know, ob- obscene goal you've ever seen. It's one and a half goals we've scored. It, it, you know, if, if De Gea's on his feet, he saves that, obviously. Um, and yet still, we couldn't, we couldn't even get a draw out of this game. One goal from open play, yet again, outside of the, the anomalous goal. And yet... Uh, you know, our, our defence... I, I don't think you can say that that's, that was a great strike and through a crowd of people. I'm not sure De Gea is definitely getting down to that. I mean, it was a pretty good strike. I mean, that's a bold thing, even as an <laughs> Arsenal fan. I, I I love you, Pete, but that... That's, we can't, that's... You can't say, oh, we only, we, only scored, we only scored one and a half goals today. It was open play. That's, oh, that's no, just, I love I'm it. Sorry. I love it, and I'll that. be at it. I'll be at it with a United fans. That was a joke goal, mate. I mean, it was a P-roller along the floor. The guy's laying down. People are waving their hands. I love it because it wound them up. But that's not like, oh, yeah, dazzling play from Arsenal. If I, if I was to tell an Arsenal, uh, a Man United fan, I'd be like, wonder strike from 25 yards. What do you want to know? But the reality is, is between between you, me, and the Arsenal fans in the chat room today, that was, I mean, it, <laughs> it wasn't a novelist goal. There's no way you can just recreate that in... 100 times out of 100, well, we have to caveat it, 99 times out of 100, um, the the keeper just picks it up. But ultimately, that was a big game for us today. And, you know, if if Arteta thought that he could just rely on our defence to take us through, well, he can't because we conceded three today. And at the end of the day, you are having to, you're going to have to find a way 
to make us more dangerous going forward. Because some games, you're going to have to score goals. Some games, you can't just set up for 1-0. You're going to have to come out and play. And we just don't look like we possess enough of a threat yet. And that really should get everyone feeling, you know, very alert as to how we move forward out of this. Well, and you say, you know, we're talking, you know, we're really pleased with how Arteta's built from the back. But, and, 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 and broadly, I am pleased. I am. But there are levels and we've now played two away games in three and we've conceded seven goals in those two away games. And that's that's terrible. That's really, really bad. Um, and you can't, you know, that, that's it. And I know one of those games was Liverpool, the other one's United, but United are terrible. Um, and and so our defence, is it is it, is it, is it, is it going to be good enough? I mean... The jury's out. I, I think we've definitely made massive strides. I really like a, a lot of the whole new look, but not not good enough last couple of away games. Uh, well, I think now we're in a situation where we can say away games are a problem for Arsenal, right? Away away games against good teams. Are well, that's what we thought, and then we Arsenal had the and then and then and then we had the Leicester game. But look, I think I think a more realistic way of looking at it, which is how I'm trying to make myself feel better right now is to say we're just in a race for fourth. Like Chelsea, Liverpool and Manchester City, we shouldn't even look at the table or be worried about them. All we need to worry about is the results around us. And the reality is we're one point off fourth. Uh, could be could be two if Spurs win their game. But, you know, that's that's a good place to be. Decent place to be. It's a fair place to be. And we just got to let the top three go off and do their thing and run their three horse race. And we've just got to stay close for as long as possible and see how we get on. The problem that we've got is that Tottenham and Man United have already had, they've already had their bad spells. I mean, you could argue we have with those first three games as well, but I think they're only going to get better with Ranić and Conte in charge. West Ham, I think we can, we can, we can overcome, but, it's going to be a really, really tough battle to finish above either Tottenham or Manchester United, in my mind. Um, but that's it, and that's the challenge. And let's see how we get on. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think the if we're within spitting distance come January, uh, we're in good shape because the back half of the season is more favourable to us. The one game a week will definitely start to pay dividends um, in the second half of the season, and we can make changes. There are loan options. I just can't believe that Arsenal aren't going to investigate that. Lacazette hasn't played any European football this year, so there's every chance that he could get a transfer out of the club, and we know that his agent is looking. Eddie Nketiah might get a move if he fancies getting some game time elsewhere. Balogun will likely go on loan. There's talk of him going to Middlesbrough. So there is, a, there, there is an opportunity that we we bring in a player like an Erdegaard. Um, you know, when Erdegaard joined back... Um, joined Arsenal in January, things picked up and we had a good back end of the season. And if we can show that level of consistency and we're in the mix for top four come March, April, that's a, that's a, you know, that's a big improvement. And hopefully, you know, our our play will get better. Hopefully we'll have um, more solves in the system because um, he's got to do something on that attacking front. And I think that it's going to be dropping senior players like it was last season. Yeah, I mean, we are going to have to look at adding something. But, you know, again, even even the language we use there, like, oh, yeah, Laka might be off in, um, you know, January. Lacazette's our best striker now. I mean, well, do we need to ring the alarms? Like, so everyone gets this. He's our best striker. I don't know why people keep coming for Laka. Like, I don't think he is in any way the solution to Arsenal moving forward. But he's better than Obama Yang. Like, we've got to start getting realistic. Laka does more. He does more in terms of our uh, attacking coherency, our cohesion. He brings other players in. They play better when he plays. Aubameyang doesn't do anything. He scored four goals in the league. Like, what's going on? If we're going to get rid of a guy, I know there are different economics around both of those uh, players, but the reality is, is if you gave me an opportunity to get rid of one, you know, in a vacuum right now, I'd get rid of Aubameyang. He's been shit for a long time. It's not. It's, um, there's no joke with me there. I'm not. I'm not clickbaiting you. I think Lacquer is better in this system than Aubameyang is. And the, he's also the a issue, block, though, Johnny. He also he blocks a... our opportunities. So it's like you know, do you keep him around if you can get him off the wage bill and you can bring someone in 
what's the what, what's Lack, Lacazette is not going anywhere. That's the reality of it. He's on one of the highest paid players in the world. Like, of course, he's not going anywhere. I think that 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 quote from Arteta is telling that someone posted that hadn't heard. The senior players have to lead, and the young players have to follow. Rusty Drog, uh, and I think if if Arteta is saying that, then I don't. I think we're all we've all seen the same game with our own eyes. You know. Well, the, the problem is, Matt. Unfortunately, um, you know, we're saying that like <laughs> they're mutually exclusive. Like, oh, the senior players have to follow and the young players will... The senior players have to lead and young players will follow. Um, Yeah, in a positive scenario. Well, guess what? In a negative scenario, it also works. And if your senior players are bottling it and, you know, not doing the right things, eventually the young players will follow them regardless. And they'll start doing those things as well. It's a cycle. What we've been encouraged with today is the energy and the, um, you know, the, the, the just youthful exuberance that players like Martinelli and Emil Smith-Rowe have been bringing. And Erdegaard, who I thought largely played well outside of that. Erdegaard um, had a good game. I just wanted to bring bring that up. Like, what do we think of Martin Erdegaard? Is he starting to find his feet a little bit in the season? He's yeah. finding his feet, but, I mean, needs to add more. I mean, he's delivered... He delivered the end product. We've seen what he's capable of with that performance against West Ham last season. And I think that's got to be the standard. How can he deliver a performance like that every single game or get close to dominating like that? Um, you know, he always takes responsibility. He's got the sort of the granite shaka uh, <laughs> house keys thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, he also does fucking stupid things like giving away that pen that was just daft and cost us the game. Yeah, he he has got good composure, um, Erdegaard. Um, One of my issues with him when we we signed him or the reason why I suggested maybe getting James Madison instead and a lot of people shooting me down, James Madison's got back to full form. He's looking like a player again, isn't he? (laughs) Suddenly. But anyway, um, part of it was that I thought that Erdegaard um, perhaps wasn't quick enough and because of that, was too easy to shut down in a game like this. And I do ultimately believe that he is, for me, competing with Lacazette for that kind of um, secondary striker position, whether it's an attacking midfielder or or, or an off-the-shoulder striker. And I think that Lacazette is our best option in that um, area, even though I think uh, Erdegaard played well. It was a great finish, but he also does, you know, naive stuff at certain times as well. And he, he he slows our play down a little bit. But, you know, credit where credit's due. In general, I thought he played quite well today. Certainly was one of our better performers, especially when you've got dereliction of duties coming from other senior players, the likes of Party and Aubameyang, like with Wax Lyrical on. So I, I don't think Erdegaard is the long-term solution, certainly in this current system. But good games need to be applauded when they come round and he took his goal really well today. Matt, you you seem a little bit more shrug shoulders when it comes to Martin Erdegaard. Is is he got a, a bit to do to convince? I think he's a good player, and I like him. Um, I just don't know. I just don't really see what we're trying to do with the system. Um, I'm like, I sort of feel like he's he's almost better as a backup to Smith Rowe, or or they 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 sort of interchange because I feel like we've got two players who have got very very similar games. I personally prefer Smith Rowe; he's better dribbler. Um, and I feel like they're sort of the same. And when they're on the same pitch, it's like having two. It feels like we're missing an opportunity to have another player on the pitch instead. He could be doing something different. Um, so it's it's not a, not really a slight on him. It's more a slight on 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 on, a, on the way we we structure our team when he's in it. I feel like we're 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 always we're always playing on the edge on the edge of play in front of the opposition rather than. Go, trying to go through them, um, so I like him. I think he's a good player. I think I think for the money, he's a, he's a good signing, and I'm hoping he can improve. But I'm certainly not not getting really excited about anything he's done this year. <laughs> All right, so one thing, Pete, as well. Um, just on that, when we think about basically the one thing I would say with Arsenal is this striker issue is nothing new. We were having these conversations before, you know, I was certainly saying, I think Ober's washed. I don't think he's going to come back 
you know, and we look at the urgency with which the attacking positions were suited, uh, were looked at in the summer. And it, it seems glaring at this stage. I know that we recruited quite heavily and all of our recruits look, you know, like they've got a positive rating as of right now anyway. But my worry at the time was, are we not addressing the biggest elephant in the room? I know striker positions are harder to fill. You know, they're, they're fewer and far between to get world-class talent or even exceptional talent that might grow into world-class talent. But the striking position seemed like a glaring one for me, considering how poor we looked from an attacking point of view into last year. And it just seems that now um, we're starting to bear the fruits of not addressing that situation because you talk about going out and getting someone in January. It's harder to get class attacking talent in January than, say, someone to plug a hole at right back for six months. And is that not something that we should have been looking at in the summer? Um, we we were. Uh, Arsenal were looking at it and they were desperate to sign Tammy Abraham, but he uh, it was a one-in-one-out policy and they didn't want to, you know, one of the one of the toxic aspects of the training ground last year was that the squad was too big. And when you have big, expensive players being dropped from the squad, it causes friction internally. And I think they were like, you know, we'd rather stick it out and wait until we can actually move players on. I mean, I, ideally, you know, you put Tammy Abraham in that system and, and he's scoring goals um, and we look like a, a different side. But I don't think it was because they didn't realise they needed to. I think it was because they were thinking about the, the sanctity of, of the squad and, you know, overall culture. I mean, our whole team changes if we spend 70 million on a striker. Everything changes for Arsenal, in my opinion. Vlahovic. Like, if you you get someone in who just is is ready built and ready made and confident and brings that attitude, and then Arsenal will, and it's just be so, imagine Smith Rowe and Saka and how excited they'd be to have a monster up top like, like him. You know, it would be great. And I think we should just go and do it. But um, this is what I mean, like, you know, and you say, Pete, that we looked at it. I'm talking about, that's fine that we looked at it, but <laughs> we didn't get it done. Like, you know, it's all well and good being like, oh, we kind of know there's an issue, but one way or but, another. Uh, but, uh, but the reality is, if you can't get someone to buy your players, there aren't many options. Like, the the, the funds weren't unlimited um, and that they would have moved if they could sell a player. But, you know, Arteta didn't put Lacazette on 180 grand a week although he did put Aubameyang on 350, but uh, which, which was no equally choice. disastrous. There, there he was, didn't have a choice on that one. There was yeah, no was... choice on that. He had to, no. he, imagine if we had not signed Aubameyang up. We'd still be, the way fans work is we'd, we'd be sat here today and we'd be going, the biggest mistake we ever made was letting Aubameyang <laughs> yeah. go. We would have. And, we'd, and... we'd, we'd remember him. In our minds, he'd be stuck as the 2017 version. And, and, and Johnny, uh, and the, the other point of your um, your comment there, I know you say it's it's all well and good saying that we know that there's a problem. I do think that that is a shift because we've sat here as Arsenal fans going, yeah. do, do you think Arsene knows that we need a tall centre-back? <laughs> yeah, no, no, he must know. He must know because we keep on conceding from set pieces and it didn't happen for about eight years. And then yeah. you know we've 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 had those problems. So at least we and at least we know that the talent ID coming into the system will be positive. I mean, we're, we're looking at uh, I think he's uh, pronounced Kuvaleski, the uh, the the guy playing for Juventus, who's a who's a wide man, very powerful, uh, like can can uh, could add a lot to our attack. There's a Romanian kid that we're looking at, where the the owner of the club has come out and said very specifically, Arsenal have offered seven and a half million for him. Um, the guy looks like he can do all the things Lacazette can do, but with speed and power. So I think there's going to be moves. And the key to getting moves in January for me is if Arteta can say, look how close we are to the Champions League in January, I think he'll get his move. But if we if we blow December, then I think they'll wait until the summer. Well, I think we're also here. I mean, we're also just more closer to a lacquer out the door, which which whatever you think he has just from a financial standpoint, he has to go because he's on 180 grand a week. So, uh, Kuliszewski. Thank you, uh, for correcting me there. Uh, I'm uh, very well known for butchering any name that sits outside the British Isles. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and you're right. You're right. Um, of course we, um, 
quite frankly, it's, it's an area that we'd all like to see be addressed. But, you know, uh, in the meantime, we're soldiering on with what we have and let's hope that what we do have start to improve because currently the output has just not been good enough. Right. We're, we're heading into the final section. I hope I can keep you guys on for a little bit longer. Everybody's saying Pedro won't criticise Mikel Arteta. Well, you know what? I'm going to put up the Arteta scorecard. I thought Arteta um, got a few things wrong today. Uh, uh, um, I think the, the number one thing that he really needs to address as a coach is that it is a consistent theme that when we go one goal up, uh, we sit back and then we let other teams in. You know, we did it against Leicester. We did it against Spurs. Uh, you know, we did, we did it against Manchester City and Liverpool. We've got to get better at controlling games when we go one nil up. And we've really got to get that killer instinct that teams like Liverpool and Manchester City have. I think his in-game management needs to improve. I understand that there is sometimes politics behind decisions, but Arteta has let politics get in the way of results in the past, putting David Luiz in the team over and over again. Um, you know, some of the Ozil stuff um, at, at the beginning, he needs to drop over. Like, I think if we brought on um, uh, brought on a striker for Aubameyang a lot earlier on in the game, it might not, you know, we might not have lost. I, you know, I, I could be completely wrong there, but I think his in-game management needs to be a bit sharper and he needs to be a bit more ruthless, you know, like early changes like he was at the start of his career. Um, but people are saying, did he get his tactics right? I, I think I think the tactics were right. I think if everybody showed up today, we're winning that game. I don't think it was a, a tactical issue out there. And even the Mo Onini starting um, berth that was given today, Mo Onini was our best midfielder um, out there today. You know, he he sh- he showed up, uh, Thomas Parsi. So I don't think the tactics were wrong. I think the players let I think the players let us down. Key players let us down. But um, there's definitely some things to work on, and we really need to get the show back on the road because. Everton haven't won in a long time and you know that they're due a, a win on Monday and if we lose that, then, you know, we're starting to look at a, a mini crisis again. What's, so, your, what's guys, your scorecard for the season, Pete, then? I, I, put him at a, I put him at a seven for the season so far. Um, you know, I, I, if, he can, if he can end the season at a, a 7.5 or an eight, I think, you know, we'll be where we need to be. But I think we're about where I'd hope we'd be after spending 150 million players are settled the identity is there there's a bit of inconsistency he's still you know fumbling around um, some decisions but i think he's improved his communication i think he's i think he's doing a solid job i don't think there's a a, a manager that i'm looking at that be like oh i need we need you in um right now so um hopefully he gets better as the season goes on what, what about you guys what are you thinking um for me i would go with regards to today I'd I'd give him a six, and now I I'd give him a six because and there are some issues that are starting to they're minor con not minor concerns they're big concerns overall but they're ones that I wouldn't necessarily lay at his feet wholly at this stage because after today for instance I do put the majority of the blame on senior players who've just let him down like and whether or not you're a fan of this system I, I I get that you know there's been more than enough times where I'm like what are you doing you're just not and I do think Arteta might have to have a look at the system if we don't you know buck our ideas up from an attacking point of view soon there's no good just sitting there going oh yeah we're better defensively we've got to score more goals we have to it's not just fans being a bit beggy and uh, you know and being champagne fans expecting a high life at the end of the day, our lead striker's got four goals. What are you talking about? This is, you know, it's nearly Christmas. It's not good enough. And I do think that Arteta needs to find a way to make us more dangerous in front of goal because it changes everything once we start to become more dangerous um, going forward, including the way that we defend. But a, a, a continued highlight and one of the reasons why um, Arteta gets the slightly better mark of, I would say, a seven as well for the season is that he had his fingerprints on the signings that we made this summer. And that is a big thing for me. Ramsdale, <laughs> I love that geezer, man. I think he's so wicked. He's so good. Uh, he he does give me Martinez vibes. Like He's solid. Big saves. There was a save from Ronaldo today. And I just think about the just the horror show of keepers that we had for all those years. Your Fabianskis, your Almunias, you know. People who would do things that would give us nightmares, you'd wake up in cold sweats. Ramsdale settles me down. He's got nice 
safe arms. That's and we can all get a big hug. Safe uh, arms, from, I love arms it. Safe arms, You know, and so I do think I will give Arteta the uh, benefit of his influence over those signings. Tommy Asu, I thought was really good today as well, um, and hasn't let anyone down. And even if you, you know, there are certain criticisms you might label at Nuno Tavares after today's performance, but he's definitely been a more positive impact on this squad. Whether or not Tierney will start to come in over the next few games, that remains to be seen. But overall, I'd still say six for today. There were issues Arteta has to deal with, like when we take a lead, we can't keep being this passive. But overall, we are in the peloton in the lead. We're chasing the leading pack, not going to attack the leading pack, but we're you know, in and around it for the fourth position, which is what we need to be targeting. All right. Well, we've got Everton uh, Everton on Monday. A few changes to be made. Uh, predictions for the Everton game? Not that I'll remember them. So well, I'll you accountable. I think I said a week ago we need to get three points minimum from these two games. Um, and um, and I think that stands. I think three points is, is, the, is, is, the, is the bare minimum. And because of today, we now need to go and get a win. So we've got a minimum is acceptable as a win we can't get one point from six going into the christmas period got to get three points got to be everton and i think we will i'm optimistic i think we've got enough about us i think we're going to bounce back from this i think we've got some players saka will start laconga will start tierney will start i think we'll see a shuffled team and i think we'll get we'll get the three points and that's all we need to do johnny yeah uh, your prediction yeah, I mean, you know, as as Matt said, uh, the fact is, is it's a must-win game now. The the nature of it, because you know, I'm sitting here dishing out sevens on, um, <laughs> you know, a, a, a managerial assessment at, half, at nearly the halfway point. If we lose against Everton and we've lost against a poor United team, that's when you start to get on a very slippery slope. To oh, hold up, why has the S changed? Because we're not great attacking-wise. We don't score goals. We go up. We go down. Like, you know, if the narrative had started to shift under Arteta, we've got to fight fiercely to protect that. And I'm backing, you know, the current setup and the wave of optimism to get us over that line. But don't, you know, don't don't slip up here, guys, because we're trusting you. You know, and today was shit. Make no bones about it. The fact we couldn't get anything out of that game is really poor. But... I'm going to put it down to certain players just not stepping up, and I expect them to be dealt with accordingly. Again, Aubameyang shouldn't be starting in the next game. Thomas Partey needs a stern word, um, and, and Lekonga needs to return to the team either way, and I'd like to see Lacazette playing the team, as I said. But, you know, make no bones about it. we got to go. We got to go out there against Everton and get the three points, and anything else is just not acceptable at this stage. And what, what's uh, the fixture list? Have we got Everton? And is it West Ham after that? Have we got West Ham in December? We've got them in December, but um, I think it might be uh, a couple of weeks away. But as always, I have my fa- my handy little Fantasy League app to tell me the games. Six-pointer. Um, we've got West a few of them coming up. Yeah. We're starting with Everton away. Then we're off to where we've got Southampton at home. It's obviously a must-win game. Um, then West Ham at home. And that will be on the 15th of December. So there is going to be a real sorting out period and leads leads away um, just, before Christmas, just before Christmas. So, you know, these are games where, games. I'm sorry, but I think we need to, I think we need to realistically be winning all of them outside yep. of the West Ham game, you know, and we, that's, an, that's a can't-lose game. And, and I really, we should be pushing to beat them as well. Agree with that. Agree with that. All right. Well, that wraps up the podcast. That was uh, that was therapeutic. I, I feel like my uh, my football brain has been soothed by chatting with you both. So thank you very much, Johnny. Um, can we get you? Can we get you elsewhere other than the socials? I've heard that you've been on a podcast. Is this true? Yes, I have. And the link, I believe, will be in the bio for anyone who's listening to the podcast. Now, there's a wonderful podcast that a, podcast that a friend of mine does. Um, it's quite popular. Some of you might have heard about it already. But, you know, I think it chimes quite well with, uh, you know, some of the subjects we talk about at times, and particularly men's mental health. The podcast is called Insane in the Men Brain. You ain't, oh. getting, a, you ain't getting a much better title than that. So well done so to good. Rick Wilson. Um, inside, insane in the Men Brain. Um, check it out. 
Um, basically, it's all about men's mental health and all of the different uh, factors. A lot of comedians, a lot of interesting people come on there and have a chat with the host, Rich, who's sensational. I did. Got quite political at times, but, it, you know, the politics behind it all also um, shapes how, you know, the mental pressures that we all face in the modern age. And so I think we did a bit of a deep dive into that. If you're interested, check it out, Insane in the Membrane, and get me on my socials at iJohnnyCochran. Marvellous. All right, well, I'm going to check that out. I'm going to have that on, the, on in the car tomorrow. Me too. Um, so, guys, thank you for, uh, thank you for being uh, part of the show, as always. If you're in the comments sharing your thoughts, we're reading them as the game goes on. Um, thank you for all your insights. Uh, we love it. We love the support that you're giving the channel. And if you're li- listening to the podcast, once again, thank you for uh, taking time to listen to us. We really appreciate it. On that note, give us a five-star review. And it's ciao for now from us. Peacock Streaming, the biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56. What a game this is. To complete coverage of the Winter Olympics. Streaming every event, every day. It's all the unprecedented. United States wins gold. Unstoppable. Sensational. Unbelievable. Sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.